Why don't we stretch for just a moment as we stand and read the word of God. I'd like to read from John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18, something sometimes people are interested in. Gift giving. Oh, boy. Boy, gift giving. I say that to the crowd and everyone's long face like, I don't know. I thought you'd be celebrating. Okay. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Let's pray. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for this wonderful time again to rejoice. Though, Father, as believers, we should be rejoicing every day. We know there are certain occasions that are recalled to our mind, and certainly one of them is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd help us to rejoice at this time of year, rejoice in his coming and taking on flesh. And I pray, Father, and ask that as we meet together to look and consider the word of God Once again, for those who know Christ, it would be fresh and refreshing to think about your love for us and for others who may be wrapped up in a lot of Christmas activity and yet have never come to Christ. I pray that they might see anew their need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might come to salvation. Thank you for this opportunity to study the word of God, commit it to you now, and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, it's interesting, uh, for those who may be visiting and just happen to be home or whatever, uh, passing through, and it is good to see some faces, and I know some of our family members are away elsewhere visiting people. Uh, I am very um, committed to expositional preaching and going through the Word of God, and we are in First Peter. Uh, however, there is occasions like this where we're celebrating Christmas to depart from that, for not done from the exposition of the Word of God, but from our text. And uh, it doesn't say the word gift here in uh, chapter 1, verses 14 to 17, but I've entitled the morning message here, Gift Giving. Uh, most people, I would say this, most people, I think, like to receive gifts, Maybe I should ask, is there anyone here that does not like to receive gifts? Anybody? I didn't see any hands. You're just afraid to raise it up? Most of us like to receive gifts. And we understand, right? We understand how gifts work. How how that works. What do you mean? Um, Gifts are given without compensation in return. In fact, I looked up the definition in a couple of English dictionaries, and the word gift, that's the most common one that was given. Something given without compensation in return. 
So it's something that's giving with, without compensation or something given that is freely given. Something, when it talks about a gift, something that is given voluntarily. Uh, those terms were used over and over again. And if it truly is a gift, if it truly is a gift, nothing is expected in return. Now it's interesting because sometimes at Christmas that's not the case. We have to be honest. Sometimes people get a gift and they're waiting. And then if they don't get one, well, I gave them something. They didn't give me anything. You know, unfortunately, it's true. Sometimes that happens. But truly, if it's a gift, it is given without any expectation whatsoever of anything in return. There are no strings attached. It is given freely. It was not earned. It wasn't earned by the individual. They were simply given it if it was a gift. And it may not, in many cases, even be deserved. Sometimes the people really don't deserve to get anything, but they're given a gift. People are given a gift. And so we understand the concept that really should be there when we talk about gifts, that it's not because of compensation, it's not because of something earned. It's many times not even deserved. There's nothing attached to it. And when we talk about gifts, when are they given? When are, when are gifts given out? Well, aren't they usually centered on special occasions? Sure. Like what? Birthdays. Still today, we give gifts at birthdays. We give gifts at weddings. We give gifts for babies that come along. We give gifts at graduation. Some of you will be looking forward to that this year, whether that be through college or high school or whatever it might be. Uh, when promotions take place, there's, there's different occasions uh, for giving gifts. And uh, we are all familiar with that type of thing. And usually, when there's gifts that are given, if we take a moment to think about it and take a step back, it usually is pretty festive. Uh, there's a lot of things that are happening. There's, a, there's joy, certainly. I mean, I, I made a comment a minute ago when I talked about gifts. You really should have been in my position because I looked out and I didn't see many happy faces when, when I talked about gift giving but usually when there's gifts that are given it's a it's a festive occasion there's a lot of joy that's involved there's a lot of celebration that is going on when when gifts are given that is very common uh, with things the interesting thing are some of the interesting things to consider when we talk about gifts is usually the recipient of the gifts is who? Hello. Me. You. So Dan says it's him. So he wants a lot of gifts. No. But usually the recipient of the gift is what? The person whose birthday it is, right? Or the person who is getting married, or people that are getting married. Or the person that is graduating. Usually they are the recipients of the gifts. So it's freely given, and it's usually given at a time of celebration, and it's usually given to the one who has either accomplished some things or is taking a new step or new job or, or something uh, that, that has been achieved. That is a normal process with us. And yet when it comes to Christmas time, okay, and that's what we're really celebrating at this time of year. Christmas is this week. We'll be celebrating it Thursday, many people Wednesday night, okay, Things seem to get a little confusing, right? Let's be honest. It doesn't seem to follow the normal pattern 
that everything else has followed. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. Uh, we don't, uh, we are celebrating what? Certainly as Christians, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We are celebrating his coming from glory, taking on flesh, we just read, and coming into this world, <coughs> partly for, for the purpose of, in our text here, to reveal God, because no man has seen God at any time, and so he comes into the world, he takes on flesh, and we're celebrating that occasion, and we call it the birthday. I remember with some of my children growing up, we've done a number of different things over the years, but I remember a couple of times we brought out a birthday cake and would uh, sing happy birthday to Jesus with the children just to teach them a little bit about that. But it's interesting, we kind of celebrate the birth of Christ, yet guess what? He doesn't get any gifts. We don't give any gifts to him. We talk about celebrating uh, Christmas and the birth of Christ. Uh, it's interesting also because we're not commanded, you need to understand that, we're not commanded in Scripture to even celebrate this event. We're not. We're not told in Scripture, like we're told in Scripture, right, that we are to be baptized. We're told to remember the Lord's death and coming again in the communion service. But we don't have a, a specific command in the epistles or in the New Testament. And by the way, don't get discouraged yet. I hope you're not discouraged, but this is reality. We need to understand it. When it comes to Christmas time, we're not really commanded in scriptures to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, per se, and to carry it on in the church age. We're really not sure of the date. Uh, now, there's all kinds of conjecture on that and so forth, but uh, you know me as a pastor, just being honest, you study that thing, study it out. We're not sure of the exact situation. Um, there's certainly is a lot of commercialism, and this is why I say it's kind of confusing when we talk about exchanging gifts and giving gifts, and you come to Christmas, and it's kind of a little unusual situation. And there's so much commercialism, and oftentimes with Christmas, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of depression that goes on, as well as celebration, by the way. Uh, sometimes those through loneliness, others through those who have inability and feel the pressure of giving gifts, and we have that. Uh, we have a lot that uh, do research, and they understand that some of the traditions that are going on at Christmas really came out of paganism, and, and there's a lot of confusion on that, and came out of commercialism, and, and we kind of mix the whole thing in together. And so the reality is when you come to Christian time, uh, you come to Christmas, even among Christians, we have to be open about this, there is sometimes confusion. Should we celebrate it? Should we not celebrate it? I don't want to celebrate it because of the associations with this. I want to celebrate it, and yet uh, we're not commanded to on some of the things that I mentioned. And sometimes uh, there's a lot of confusion that's caused, even among Christians, uh, over Christmas and over the concept of uh, gift giving. And yet we have to take a step back for a moment and realize some things. Isn't it true that it is a time of festivity? It is a time that we see around the world, though they even want to get away from the idea of using Christ's name anywhere, when you talk about the world many times. And I didn't catch it all, but I caught the end of it last night as I was quickly going through some stations. But I know, I think it was someplace in Massachusetts, might have been, it began with an M, I think. But some town that was protesting the idea, they said, we're uh, Americans, we have the right to say Merry Christmas. And I agree with that. 
Okay, but it's a time of festivity. It's a time of getting together with friends. It's a time of getting together with family. It's a time for singing. We're going to be singing tonight. We sang this morning. And it is a time in which gifts are exchanged and gifts are given. And people do, whether you want to realize it or not, even as a believer, people around the world, this is the time that they are talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. They're not talking about it in June, per se. They're not talking about it even in January or March. Now, we still have a gospel message to give, but around the world. So what should we do? What should we do? I mean, it doesn't seem to follow the normal pattern, even with gifts. And, you know, you talk about gift giving, and that's your title of your message, Pastor Dan. I want us to consider some things. First of all, reality, because in being as honest as I was with you, for some of you that may, you know, have some of those struggles even regarding Christianity and so forth. We have to be realistic and, and look at the whole picture here. Here's some things to consider. There are many times, whether you realize it or not, that celebrations are held in which gifts are exchanged, in which the person around the person they're celebrating does not receive gifts. In fact, well, let me say something else before I turn you to, to there's something I was going to uh, go to in just a second. Usually, there are gifts exchanged that centers, that centers around events, not so much even the person, but around the world there are events that take place in which gift giving and the exchange of gifts are simply done to celebrate an event that took place. That's not uncommon. And I want you to see something that's going to be important, I think, to us. And it's interesting. I found it interesting. I had studied and prepared this message with nothing to do with the reading through the Bible. And by the way, I'd encourage you to do that. I'd encourage you to take advantage of those free Bibles and read through the Bible in a year. Because it's interesting. I, I also do that. And in doing that, I found this morning's reading in the book of Revelation was exactly the text that I was going to use in just a moment. And I didn't know it was going to fall that way. But it's interesting because do you know that there's going to be a time, I happen to call it the world's Christmas, in which the world is going to celebrate and give gifts? I want you to see it. Turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Now, in the book of Revelation, we're in the tribulation here. I'm not talking about right now in the pulpit as I'm standing. But in this passage, there's witnesses that God raises up, and he raises up two particular witnesses to be a testimony for him during the time of the tribulation. And I want you to see that these, and you can read the beginning of the passage, but God raises up these witnesses, and they are tremendous testimony to the power of God and they are a testimony for righteousness, listen, in the midst of darkness. And they carry on this ministry and then they get killed. And I want you to pick it up in verse 7. And when they had finished their testimony, and nothing would happen until that took place, by the way, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. These are God's witnesses in the tribulation. 
and God raises them up, and yet they are killed. And watch this. Their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom in Egypt. That's mystically called that. Where also their Lord was crucified. That identifies it. We are dealing with Jerusalem. So their bodies lie there. Watch this. Those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in the tomb and watch what they do. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. And what do they do? They celebrate. And they will send what? Gifts to one another. Why? Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. How were they tormented? With righteousness that was before them. And the occasion comes in which the world recognizes <clears throat> there's an event that took place that should require us not only to celebrate <clears throat> and be joyous, and by the way, this is not a good rejoicing, and even exchange gifts because we finally got rid of these righteous people. The world's going to do that. The world's going to do that. And time would take me away from this um, to really get to what I want to get to this morning. But there are many, many occasions. In fact, Hanukkah, which is celebrated today, there's an exchange of gifts that goes on. And Hanukkah is just celebrating an event. I found, and I was going to list some, but I, I decided not to do it for time's sake. But I found that around the world, when I checked it out on the internet, every single month, without exception, from January through December, every single month, some country in the world, from Argentina all the way to Vietnam, and I went through and I was looking at each one, every single country is involved in celebrating and exchanging gifts to celebrate some type of event whether it be a new year, whether it be independence, whatever the occasion is, but all the people understand that there's a time to celebrate and exchange gifts, not given to any particular person, but an event that took place. It's not an uncommon thing. And I say that to point out the fact that there is a time to exchange gifts and to be involved in gift giving just because you're celebrating something that took place. And let me get to the point. God is a gift giver. God's in the business of giving gifts. You say he is? Let me start with this. He has given us life. It was in the first days of creation that we find out that God created man in his own image and likeness. In the image and likeness of God created he male and female and he bred, breathed into them what? The breath of life. That is a gift. You and I, you say, well, my parents brought me in here. They wouldn't have been here. Keep going back as far as you want. It was the gift of life that was given by God. God has given us this world to basically subdue and to understand and to know, and he's even given us the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to use our brains. That is a gift from God to discover this world. And many of the jobs, in fact, all of the jobs that we have, no matter what it is, is a gift that comes from God. You say, it's my education. Yes, but it's part of the discovery, and you've been educated and whatever, but the abilities that God has also given you to enjoy this world 
that he has created. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6, why don't, uh, yeah, we got time. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 just for a minute. We're not that far away from this. I want you to see this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it's an interesting text here. But in verse 17, instruct those who are rich in the present, this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. You're not just a hope in that, but in God. Watch this. But on God, watch what God does, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That's a gift. God provides all of us with all things to enjoy in this world. And we're to see that. Whatever we have comes from God, whether that be your, uh, your job, your ability, even your, your spouses, your children. We find that, that that's a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. On and on it goes. God is in the, in the business of giving gifts to man, and he has given us salvation as well. I want you to consider some facts when we talk about this leading up to the concept of gift giving. What is it? God has a love for every man. This is special love for, found in salvation, but I want you to turn to John chapter 3. You could quote it for me, but let's look there. I want to walk us through. Let's consider some facts. See if there's not a joyous thing to celebrate. In John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved. If you can explain those two terms, you're a better exegete of the scriptures than I am. That is just so great. Two letters, so loved. God so loved the world that he gave. That's a gift. He gave his only begotten son, his unique son, monogonese, one of a kind. That's what it is. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave his son. Who is this son? It is Jesus Christ. We read the passage this morning. You're in John. Go to John chapter 1. Who is this? This is the word that has been made flesh. And according to the scriptures, he was in the bosom of the father. He was with the father there in the beginning. In fact, in John chapter 1, it makes it very clear that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And as you go on in the text, it, we find out in this passage that the Word becomes flesh and He's identified as Jesus Christ because truth and grace was realized through Him, verse 17. Why? So that we would understand very clearly that God's love for us is found in his gift giving, the giving of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We find out in Matthew chapter 1, part of the reading that I had this morning for you. Listen very carefully. I'll repeat it in verses 22 to 25. Now all this took place to fulfill which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And here it is. Behold the virgin, and it was a virgin. This was a miracle birth. He says very clearly that it was a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And the scriptures make it very clear, which is translated what? God with us. 
God's gift. He sent his son. Who is that? God in the flesh. Why? Because John chapter 1 says, man has not seen God at any time. So that we could even see what God was like in the flesh. Jesus Christ came. And he's identified in verse 25. And they called his name Jesus. It is Jesus Christ, the anointed one. That is God's gift. His love is expressed in sending his son. And what was the occasion? You know it, but let's turn there. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This will be quoted so many times this weekend and throughout the week, even by musical groups and sung by people who don't know him. It'll be in special music programs, special programs on TV. But here it is. Luke chapter 2. Let me pick it up in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. I would be. But the angel said unto them, Don't be afraid, for behold, watch this, For behold, I bring you good news. Of what? What's the next two words? Great joy. This is the occasion, folks. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world is an occasion of great joy. And if there's one thing this world needs, it's joy. If there's one thing this world needs, it's peace. Not just world peace from war. Peace with God. Look at the text goes on. He says, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Why? Here's the explanation. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. The only Savior. Who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. What an occasion. This will be a sign for you. You will find a babe, baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts saying, I don't know if we should celebrate this. I don't know. I don't know how important this is. I don't think so. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Interesting. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Isn't that interesting? What an occasion. This is the occasion. There was an announcement. There was a celebration. There was joy in heaven. There was joy with the shepherds because of this occasion. What was the occasion? It was the coming of God into flesh. Keep this in mind. What had happened? Let me give you an approximation. For approximately 400 years, folks, no one had heard from God. What? They had been getting the prophets of the Old Testament, giving them prophecy about the coming Messiah, the coming Messiah. And the conditions were much like today. There was no more revelation. And all of a sudden... There comes this announcement directly from heaven. My son is coming to the world. It was a tremendous occasion for joy. 
a tremendous occasion for celebration. And much of the world did what? Went about their business like nothing was happening. Like nothing was happening. What did this baby do? Let me summarize. The baby came for a purpose. You see, all men are sinners and have come short of the glory of God. Not a pleasant thing to think about at Christmas time, per se, but very important. What is it? We're all sinners. We've come short of the glory of God. We are apart from God. We're not in his presence. And because we're sinners, the penalty of sin is death. And the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that babe who was born, would be that he would grow and he would die. And that's our text that we've just studied. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 for a moment. I want you to see it. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. It says in verse 24, And he himself, who's the he himself? If you look at the context, just verse 21, Since Christ suffered for you, what did he do? He bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin and to live unto righteousness. Explanation, for by his wounds we were healed. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. You see, we are celebrating, even at this time of the year, we talk about Christmas we are celebrating an event. God came into the world in a point in time, in the person of Jesus Christ, in a baby form that would be fully man, fully God, unique. And he wouldn't just stay a babe, but he would grow. And he came for a purpose. He came to satisfy the righteousness of God. And because of sin and man being all sinners could not absorb the penalty, could not satisfy the righteousness of God, his son took it upon himself to pay the debt that we couldn't pay, to satisfy a righteous holy God. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Colossians, the second chapter. Just to verse 13. When you were dead in your trans uh, transgressions, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all of our transgressions. You sit here this morning and you say, I don't know if God could ever forgive me for what I've done. My past and, you know, the things that I've done, there is no sin too great for the forgiveness of God. There is no sin that cannot be satisfied by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Verse 14 having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of degrees, decrees, excuse me, against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken them out of the way. How? 
By doing what? Nailing them to his cross. You see, we celebrate his coming because it led to the cross and then eventually led to the resurrection. But it was a great occasion when he came into the world. In verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. The triumph of God is found through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at this time of the year, we celebrate his coming into the world. Why? The event we see in Luke chapter 2, John 3.16 again, for God so loved the world that he gave, this is the gift, his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have ever lasting life. We have a message that the world needs. That God sent his son. That he took on flesh. And my friend, this is the time of year that we celebrate that occasion. God loving us that much. Why? Because he offers a free gift. You know it well, but let's turn to two passages. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. What better occasion than to see people celebrating with the exchanging of gifts to talk about the gift that came from God. And in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, I've got to go back to verse 4. But God, before that it talks about how in our flesh, all the way back to verse 1, we were dead. But God being rich in mercy, <clears throat> watch this, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were in that condition, dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. How? By grace. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us, the beneficiaries of this grace. Where? In Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. And here it is. It is a gift of God. God's entire program of salvation as Pastor Chris so adequately said this morning. We find in scriptures that it was before the foundation of the world even in the book of Ephesians in the first chapter. Before he even laid the foundations of the world God had it in mind to give the free gift of salvation. And that salvation gift is still there. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. My friend, God is in the business of giving gifts. Romans chapter 5. Let me go to verses 15 and 16. Watch. But the free gift is not like the transgression. What transgression? Adam's sin. How frightening that is. All that you and I see going on in the world, all that you and I see going on in our lives, all the devastation and bad news that we hear is all a result of one sin. 
You don't think sin is important? It all started with a disobedience of one man in a garden. But the free gift, not like that transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more, watch this, did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification being declared right before God simply by the work of the Son. It's a free gift. If Jesus Christ had never come into this world, folks, and taken on flesh, you and I would be without hope. You and I would have no hope of salvation. It is God's greatest gift. But it must be appropriated. And how is it appropriated? How do we get the benefit? Well, you're in Romans. Look at verse 17. For if by the transgression of one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Turn with me to John chapter 3 again. John chapter 3. I already quoted and read verse 16, right? For God so loved the world is the occasion. Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world. That is what we are celebrating. To judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Or that the world might be saved through him. He who believes. There's the appropriation. It is faith. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, the unique Son of God. We can talk about Christmas. We can talk about the exchange of gifts. We can talk about the gift of God, the gift of eternal life, the gift of his Son coming in. And you can even sing about it, and you can celebrate it, and you can use the words, but unless you personally appropriate it, you will never get the benefit of it. Let me try to illustrate it. There's some gifts up here in the pulpit. This one I need right now. This says to Pastor Dan from the Deacons. Thank you, Deacons. I need it. It's a bottle of water. <clears throat> Thank you, deacons. That was really greatly appreciated. That met my physical need. It's a couple more. I love this. They have my name on it. Pastor Dan. It's from the senior class. Hmm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That'll keep me from warm. Pretty good. 
There's another one of Pastor Dan. Oh boy, this one says from God. Hmm. It's a gift of his son. It's a debt that's paid in full. It's the forgiveness of sins. Wow. It's the gift of eternal life. Wow. What a gift. That'll meet my spiritual need. Oh, one more. Ah, this is the one I'm waiting for. Don't want to ruin the others. This one's not for me. This one says it's to you. Every one of you here. It's from God. I have no right to open that one. But only you will get the benefit of what's in there if you take it. The hat's mine. Thank you, seniors. I needed the water. I have eternal life, folks, because I opened up the gift. I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I have all the spiritual benefits that go along with it. The question today is, what about you? We talk about gift giving. God's given a gift. It's his son. And all the benefits that come along with it, I better... People, I'm going to take me serious if I keep that on my head. <laughs> but you get the point. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. And you know, we come to Christmas time and there is confusion. And there is a lot of commercialism. And there was paganism brought into it. But I'm going to tell you something. I rejoice in celebrating an event that took place because I wouldn't have this benefit had God not sent his son. And let's go back to Luke chapter 2 in closing. We find that in Luke chapter 2, the most common one that's read what you find is they said, don't be afraid. And there was rejoicing in heaven that took place because there was good news, verse 10, of great joy. Let me ask you if you're a believer today, do you have good news of great joy? You say, yes, but I don't need Christmas to give it. You don't. But is it true that people today at this time of year, they're gift giving, they're celebrating, and they're trying to, in many cases, relate it to Christ, even those who don't know Christ? And you have the opportunity to share what the free gift of God is. And it's a glory to God in the highest peace to men with those whom God has pleased. And look at verse 15. And when the angels had gone away from them in heaven, the shepherds began saying one to another, I don't know if we should celebrate this. Now, understand, I'm not trying to do that. People have convictions. Please be very clear about this. I am not putting that down. But we have an event to celebrate, and that is the coming of the Son of Man. 
And you notice what they said? Let us go straight to Bethlehem, see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Has the Lord made known to you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And in verse 16, and they came in a hurry. What did they do? They came in a hurry. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as they lie in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statements which was told them about this child. And all who heard wondered at these things that were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds didn't hold it in. And I would say to you, as we celebrate Christmas, it means a lot of things, family, friends, and there's a lot of festivity, and it should be. But I think for the Christian, we know that it does recall. And I do believe that this world needs the message that we have, that one came in the flesh. And while there is a lot of things associated and not associated, and we don't have to get involved in all the commercialism there was definitely a gift given and an occasion happened in Bethlehem when God sent his son. And that man grew and he went and bore the penalty of sin on the cross. And now people need to appropriate and open that gift up. Now God has to open the understanding. I understand very clearly. But we need to be announcing it. We need to let them see that there's a free gift out there. And I would say to you that enjoy your Christmas time as a family. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in referring, it's interesting because it refers in a text of giving and talks about generous giving. And then it says, we have an, an unspeakable gift in a sense, a gift that really can't be explained. It's the gift of salvation that came through Jesus Christ. How can we explain that other than to give out the gospel? So I would challenge all of us to enjoy the gifts that God has given. To take the time to celebrate and reflect on the sun. Yeah, we can do that throughout the year, but this is a great occasion. It was a great occasion to go around caroling. If you go caroling in three weeks, nobody's going to open their door. Opportunity to invite people out. Come and see the music program. Come and hear. Come and see. Take advantage, fellow believer. It's a great time to explain the greatest gift that God ever gave, the gift of eternal life. And if you know the Lord, I hope you're celebrating. I hope you're rejoicing because we're going to do it with him for all eternity. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for the reminders. We know you've given us communion to remind us of his suffering and his coming again. We know you haven't commanded us to celebrate his birth, but, Father, we are reminded over and over again through Scripture that it was the Son of God who left his glory above, came to this earth, took on flesh, and had that not taken place, we would be without hope. We thank you for the gift of salvation. And I pray, Father, that those that are here that have not experienced that yet, that haven't appropriated and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they might see that they are under condemnation. That heaven and hell is real. But they are without hope, like the rest of the world, unless they accept the free gift of salvation. Help them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and 
accept the greatest Christmas gift that they ever could receive. For those of us that know Christ, I pray that we would rejoice. I pray that we would celebrate, but that our focus really would be on drawing the attention to the one who loved us so much that provided the gift of salvation. Thank you for this time. We do pray ahead of time that you'd bless tonight abundantly. We do pray that those who have been invited will come out and just celebrate as we reflect on the coming of the Son of Man and all that he did. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My God bless your Christmas.